Well, if you brought your Bibles this evening, and I hope that you have, um, Psalms 107. I want to go back to the book of Psalms again, um, but I want to go to the 107th Psalm this time. Uh, I want to just, I'm not going to read the whole Psalm tonight. I'm not even going to preach on the whole Psalm. Matter of fact, I feel like I'm just going to preach on one verse, uh, but I'm going to read the first three verses of Psalm 107, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. And then I would ask that you just continue to pray for me, pray for the service, pray that everything would go uh, just how God wants it to go here this evening. Psalm 107, the first verse, says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed. From the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here this evening one more time, just thanking you for the good day, for the many blessings. Thanking you, Lord, for our church family, for each one you sent our way. Thanking you for the opportunity to gather here and to worship you in spirit and truth and to sing praises to you and, and to share your word this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the, just the many blessings that you poured out on us, but we thank you most of all tonight for your son, Jesus. Lord, that you see him and give him so that we might have life, have our life eternally and abundantly. We don't deserve it, and we're not worthy of it, and we know that. And God, you knew that too, but you've done it anyways. So, Lord, let us always be a people with praise and glory on our lips for you, because you alone deserve it. You alone are worthy of it. And, God, I just pray as we go forward here tonight in this service, Lord, you, you know the hearts of each one that is here. Nobody's here tonight by accident. There was no surprises uh, that walked through the door here. No surprises to you anyways. And so, Lord, my prayer here tonight is that, God, that you would move in the, in the lives of each one that is here. God, I pray that you, would get, that you would just open our ears, Lord, and give us the ears to hear what you would say to us tonight. I pray that we would have receptive hearts. Lord, that we would be eager to hear from you tonight. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, uh, Lord, that we would receive what you have for us. And I pray, Lord, that... Uh, if there's any among us here tonight that's let anything into our lives that doesn't belong there, if there's any of us that's not where we ought to be with you, God, I pray that tonight would be the night we'd get things right with you before it's everlasting too late. And Lord, I pray also tonight that you, not only that you would move mightily in our service here tonight, but I pray also for myself. Uh, I need your help here tonight. Uh, I can't preach without you. I've got nothing worth saying, lest you give it to me. So, Lord, I'm just asking, clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things that you would have me to say here tonight. Help me to preach your word tonight. God, my desire is to preach it under your anointing with the authority that only you can give. Oh God, have your way and your will tonight here. Use me as your vessel, as your messenger. 
and I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Now, as I look at these scriptures, there are several things that come to mind. And I know that it is clear when you look at this psalm uh, that the psalmist, right, and we don't know if this was, matter of fact, most people don't think David wrote this psalm, but they don't know who it was that God used to write this psalm. And it doesn't really matter because we know that ultimately God is the author. And I think whoever that psalmist was, I think it's clear that he had Israel in view here whenever he is, uh, whenever he's talking about this. But also at the, in verse 3, when he says, And gathered them out of the lands from the east and the west and the north and the south. You know, that makes me think prophetically, really. It, 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 on one hand, you think about regathering of Israel. But on the other hand, that, that kind, same kind of terminology is used in, I believe, in the book of Revelation, uh, just uh, speaking about the Gentiles, about us. And so... Uh, to go back to while I know the psalmist had Israel in mind, I don't think that we should surrender these verses to that nation exclusively, to Israel exclusively. And the reason I say that is because we too, right, us also, we have been bought back from the, from the slave market of sin. Right? I, I mean, the, the, this psalmist could have had in mind whenever God has redeemed Israel out of Egypt. He could have also had in mind whenever he redeemed them uh, out of the Babylonian exile. He could have in mind something future, still yet prophetic uh, uh, to him. Right? He could have had in mind the regathering of Israel, which we've seen happening in our own lifetime. Or maybe something else. But I'm telling you here tonight, I think that, we, that these verses can apply to us too. Because we have been, as I said a minute ago, we have been redeemed. We have been bought from the slave market of sin. And as the redeemed of the Lord, we ought to want to join in with Israel and all the saved of all time in giving thanks to God. Right, so in a way, part of this is, a, is Thanksgiving. Maybe I should say things this way. Has the Lord saved you? Then speak out. <laughs> Tell others that he has saved you from your enemy. Right? The enemy of your soul. He wants us to tell everyone all that he's done for us. I, I believe in essence, I mean, that's really our message tonight. But I want to take a minute, and, and I told you I really wanted to preach on verse 2. I want to take a minute, and I want to break verse 2 down. And, and I want to focus on it for, for just a few minutes here this evening. Now, what I want to point out is that they are three entities named in verse 3. Or verse 2, I mean, that are spoken of here. When I say ent entities, I mean groups, persons, things, right? That's what I mean by entities, right? So there's three entities that are spoken of here. There is the redeemed, 
There is the Lord, and there is the enemy. So let's talk about each one of these here tonight. First of all, the redeemed. Let's be clear what the word redeem means. Right? Redeem means to buy back, to recover, um, to make up for, to obtain uh, the release or the restoration of, as of from captivity, by paying a ransom. That's the definition. That's the idea of redeemed. So then the question should be in our mind, if we're looking at this, is what, is redeem, what does redeemed mean? And the, and the next question should be, who are the redeemed? Well, that word redeemed should bring to mind, right, the custom by which a, a kinsman could step in, in in Israel now, a custom where the, uh, the kinsman could step in and rescue a close uh, relative from either debt or slavery. It, it ought to bring to mind for us uh, the book of Ruth, right, the story of Ruth, right? It, it should bring to mind to us uh, uh, Boaz, who was her kinsman redeemer, Right? And, and, who, and who redeemed her? Uh, it, it, should, it should probably make us think of those things. I think the book of Ruth is a perfect example, illustration, right, of this whole uh, concept, this whole principle of the kinsman redeemer. Of course, God put that, of course, uh, that's in the law, in the law of Moses, he put that in there, right, to be a, a picture of what Christ does for us. And so when I said that the, the, the kinsman could step in to rescue one who, uh, you know, a close relative and, and, and pay their debt or pay a ransom to get them out of slavery, God did that exact thing for us by giving his only begotten son to pay our sin debt. Wasn't his sin debt? He's the only one to have never known sin. It was our sin debt. And, we, and he paid the ransom on Calvary's cross for our sin debt in order to redeem us from the hand of the enemy. So the redeemed are those who were in trouble. They are those who were in great distress. Right? Those who, who could not save themselves, could not help themselves. They are those who were, who were lost in sin. They are those who were bound up by addiction. They are those who were without hope. They were in need of deliverance. They needed to be rescued from sin. They needed to be saved from an eternity in a devil's hell. Those of us here tonight who are saved. Those, I'm talking about those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those uh, that have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Those that have repented and believed the gospel. Those are the redeemed that I'm talking about tonight. So, what are we uh, redeemed from? We're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We're redeemed from sin, from death, from hell, from the grave, right? From the, from the devil himself, right? God redeemed his people 
from their enemy, Satan. How are we redeemed? Well, we're redeemed by Christ. We are redeemed through what Christ did for us on the cross. And listen to me. This is important. This is the only way that we can be redeemed. There is no other way. Understand that. Get that through your mind. The world is going to try to tell you and teach you and convince you that there is other ways. That there is other ways to be made right with God. There is other ways to get to heaven. And I am here to tell you there is only one way. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what the word of God tells us. There is only one way. And his name is Jesus. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Right? That's why the apostles told us in the book of Acts, right? There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. I'm telling you tonight, that name is the name of Jesus. There's no other way to be redeemed. And we are ultimately redeemed by faith in Christ and what he has done on our behalf by surrendering our lives to him and making him uh, Lord of our hearts, right? Lord of our lives. That's another way we like to say it. By putting our trust in him putting our faith in him. That's how we become part of the redeemed. And all those that are saved, they are the redeemed. I'm talking all time from beginning to end. That is the redeemed. So the second entity that is mentioned here is the Lord. I think we need to make it real clear who the Lord is. He is the creator of the universe. He is the creator and the maker of you and I and of everything that has ever existed. He is our maker. And listen to me. He is the redeemer. The only person we can be redeemed by is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is our kinsman redeemer. He is our savior. He is our deliverer. Let me read to you real quick in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. I just want to back this up with a couple verses. Galatians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Grace be to you. Um, chapter 1 verse 3. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you, do you hear that? From our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Right? That's what I was just telling you. Not, my, or not his own sins, but our sins. My sins and your sins, and the sins of all, uh, all people of all time. To deliver us, to save us, to redeem us from this present evil world according to the will of God. According to the will of God. Right? It, it, it tells us in, uh, what is that, in Second Peter where it says that God's not, uh, God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. 
This is the will of God. That's how you can have confidence and you can know as you go out and witness and share the gospel that you are doing the will of God. Because the scripture is clear, that's what his will is. And so anyways, we have been uh, delivered. We have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Our sin debt has been paid. That makes him, uh, that makes the, the Lord our kinsman redeemer, our savior, our deliverer. Now, the third one, and I want to spend just a moment on this one. The enemy. The enemy. You better be asking the question, who is the enemy? Can I... uh, Can I ask you a question? I don't know how many we've got here tonight that served in the military. Randy did. Nolan did. I don't know if there's any others or not. Um, But that's all right. Even if you didn't serve in the military, I think you could get the idea. We have got the greatest, mightiest, most powerful, I'm talking about the United States of America, the greatest, mightiest, most powerful military army on the face of the earth right now. Now, I know there's some other countries that's coming up, and there's some things, and you hear a little bit of rumbling and this and that, but the truth is, still yet today, there's, there is no other military, right? If we were to turn it all loose, Right, biggest problem that we have in, in conflicts is because of uh, of how people react, holding back. If there was what I'm trying to say, if there was no holding back, if there was no thought for civilian casualties and how the public would react in anything like that, and just turn her all loose, no one else, probably no no combination of nations would stand up to us. The mightiest, I think it's safe to say, the mightiest military force the world has ever seen. I think that's a fair statement. How well would that military force do if the orders were given from their commander-in-chief to pursue, to overtake, and to take out the enemy without, I forget what the term they use, but without holding anything back. Whatever force is necessary, whatever means is necessary, you've got the full force of the United States But they didn't tell them who the enemy was. Turn them loose, but they got no idea who they're fighting against. 
they got no idea who the enemy is, right? We've seen a little bit of that in some modern conflicts, a little bit of trouble distinguishing who the enemy is, who the enemy isn't. What if they was completely blind to who the enemy is? How well would they do then? What good would all that might and all them weapons and all that training do if you can't identify who the enemy is? I'll tell you this much, it wouldn't turn out very good. That's a made-up scenario to make a point. Here's a real-life truth. Many in the church today don't know who the enemy is. Many do not know who the enemy is. Listen to me. There is a spiritual realm, right? There is is a spiritual reality that is taking place all around us right at this moment. There is a spiritual war that is taking place in our midst as I speak right now. Listen to me. There is things going on that is just beyond what our physical eyes can see, right? If God would just drop the curtain for just a minute and let us see into the spiritual realm, I, I think it would be beyond uh, our wildest dreams what is there and what is taking place and this fight that is going on absolutely involves us we're absolutely uh, parts in that and the devil he is the enemy have I not made that have I not mentioned that yet tonight he is the enemy Uh, I wish I had a Bible handy. Um, he, he makes it... We get mixed up on this. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, where, they're talking about, where, where the Lord's talking about the whole armor of God, he makes it clear to us in verse... 12, right? Verse 11 tells us to put on the whole armor of God uh, so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12 says, For we've wrestled not against flesh and blood. Well, first of all, that right there, most Christians, that's where they think the enemy is. They think the enemy is somebody, right? They think the enemy is um, politicians. They think the enemy is unsaved Christians. They think the enemy is, uh, you know, you just go through. Uh, they think that sometimes they think the enemy is sitting in the pew right next to them. <laughs> Maybe not that close, but you know what I'm saying. But the Bible clearly states that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That eliminates all those people I just said. I'm going to get sidetracked for a second. When I first, uh, shortly after I got saved, especially when I surrendered to the call to preach and began to preaching and began going out uh, and, and, and preaching and then taking the church to pastor, I can remember, uh, now look, me and Jennifer, I'm not going to say that we've never had a crossword or anything like that because... She's tif- difficult to deal with sometimes. No, I'm t- <laughs> We've always gotten along good, but we've had our times where we, where we didn't see eye to eye, 
And, and we've even had our times where, you know, our tempers has got the best of us and we've told the other one just exactly what, I, what we think. So, I mean, I don't want to give no illusion that this has been never, never raised our voice or never had a cross word. Uh, th uh, that would be a lie if I said that. We absolutely have. But we've never been one of these couples, right? You, you've, been, uh, you've seen these couples before. I don't know. Maybe you are one of these couples or been in a relationship like this. They just fight like cats and dogs. It seems like they ain't happy unless they're fighting. You know what I'm saying? And so anyways, me and Jennifer have never been that way. All right? We've had our times. We've had our crosswords before. But we've never been one of those that's just at each other all the time or even even bicker on a regular basis. It's just never been that way. And after I got saved, and like I was telling you, surrendered my call, especially started going out and preaching, it seemed like like clockwork. It took me a little bit before I realized it, or both of us before we realized it. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. We would get into it right before church. Either getting around, getting ready to leave, or on the way there. Over some over stupid things, and then we'd be good. And the next week, it would be the same thing again. And we never fought on that regular of a basis that often like that before. And I listen to me. You want to talk about making it? I mean. I'm not saying I'm a great preacher now, but I really wasn't back then. And you want to talk about adding a whole other level to it, making it hard. Have a blowout fight with your wife on the way to church and then get out of the car and try to come in and, you know, I mean, uh, that's rough. And one day, one Sunday morning, this is when I was, I don't know if I took Dry Creek yet, but we were going down there, I was preaching down there. And we were on the road down there, and I remember almost exactly where we were at on uh, Z Highway off of 76 going down there. And God just all of a sudden opened our understanding right here. This between us wasn't really between us. It was something happening in the spiritual realm. And it hit both of us right then. That the enemy is not flesh and blood. It wasn't, she is not the enemy, my enemy, and I was not her enemy. We were trying to work together to do something for God. Uh, it was the devil in the spiritual realm stirring something up. This, and it was this scripture right here. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And as soon as we realized that, and, and I'm, I'm, she was driving, so I'm the one that read this verse out loud. It was an instant change right in that moment. It was an instant change. Look, uh, the, the old devil had been deceiving us and been tricking us on that one for a while there. And just as soon as he was revealed, look, he, that tactic was up. He's going to have to go and try a different route, which he, he's done many times. But anyways, the scripture says here, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that the enemy is the God of this world. That's who we're fighting against. That's who the opposition is. 
That's who the enemy is. That is where our, um, I don't want to say aggression, but you know what I mean, should be turned towards, right? That's where, that's where the fight is. That's where our aim is. And we realize that it's a different kind of fight and it's a different kind of warfare. It is a spiritual fight and a spiritual warfare. Listen. It makes all the difference in the world. So who is the enemy? According to 2 Corinthians 4.4, he is the God, I'm talking with a little g, the God of this world, right? That goes along with what it says here in verse 12, right? Where it says against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. What has, I think the next thing that we need to know is what has the enemy came to do? Well, according to John 10, 10, he's came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's looking to steal your joy, your peace, your happiness, right? Your witness, your testimony. He wants to steal it. If he can talk you into doing something stupid, into losing your cool at the wrong place at the wrong time, into giving into lust or temptation or whatever it is, what's that do to your testimony? What does that do to your witness? Listen, he desires to kill you. He is trying to take you down. He wants to, he, he's, his best efforts is directed towards destroying your relationship with God. Now, that's his intentions. I think you ought to know a little bit about his character. He's a liar. He's a murderer. And John 8, 44 says that he is the father of it. He's been, a, he's been a murderer from the beginning. He's been a liar from the beginning. And listen to me, right? Whenever John 8, 44 says that he is the father of it, right? Not only does it come from him, right? But those that lie, hate, cheat, and steal are of their father, the devil. And listen to me. Those who choose to go down that road have a special place carved out for them. And it's called the lake of fire. But listen to me. That is where Satan's, that's where he's going to end up. We know that because it tells us that at the back of the book. But also know that 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, um, let me just read it to you. I can quote it, but I want to read it to you. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Right? There's the enemy, our adversary, the devil, Satan, the serpent, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is seeking to devour you and me too. He is fighting for your soul. And he will do whatever it takes to get it. He will lie, he will cheat, he will steal, he will kill. It does not matter to him. Think about it. He's got nothing left to lose. He's gunning for you and for me. But can I encourage you tonight to not fear? 
right? Fear not. Because the word of God tells us, uh, I believe it's 1 John 4, 4 tells us, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have that promise. But wait a second. Hold on just a minute. That only applies if you're one of the redeemed. That only applies if you're one of the redeemed. So really the question I come to ask you tonight is are you? Are you one of the redeemed? And if not, what in the world are you waiting on? Are you waiting for the devil to lie to you again? Because he will. Are you waiting for him to actually kill you this time? Listen to me. If you're here tonight, it's not too late. Not yet. You still have one last opportunity tonight, right now. Let me also say this. Ask this question. I want you to think for a minute. And maybe, maybe as I've preached and as I've made that invitation, you're sitting there going, I, I am one of the redeemed. I am saved. I'm on my way to he heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I, I'm where I ought to be with God. I know that. Well, then praise God. But who do you know that is being lied to by the devil? Who do you know right now that is being lied to by the devil? I'm going to give you an invitation to come and pray for them. But it won't end there. Understand that. I'm, I'm getting ready to give you an invitation to come pray for them. But then, after you come and you pray for them, I'm begging you, put some feet to those prayers. And go tell them what Jesus has done. Go tell them what the Lord has done for them. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come tonight? you got a need, you got a heavy burden, would you come tonight? Maybe God has put somebody in your heart and you need to be praying for them. Would you come and pray for them tonight? Whatever that need is, don't, don't miss this opportunity. Uh, don't worry what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people think. I think that we just need to humble ourselves before God just as a little child. So if you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come tonight? Would you come?